Hey guys, just a quick note before we begin that the show may contain spoilers and adult language, but that's just because we know how to have a good time. Stick around, you'll be glad you did. You are here for me to enlighten you. You ever act like this again, you're barred for life. It's just violent bass. It's kind of embarrassing. If you know you're lying, then you can forget them. Oh, I get it. It's very clever. <laughs> Hello, peoples, and welcome to Esoterica Cinema, the podcast where we take films from the cinematic multiverse and discuss the hell out of them. My name is Jason Peters, and with me, as always, is the man who once got into serious legal trouble for sneaking onto a NASA space shuttle and replacing a test monkey on a seven-year voyage across the universe, Mr. Ryan Seabold! What's up, Jason? How's it going, buddy? Not bad, not bad. Seven years in space, man. That must have been something. Well, it brought me right back here to you. Uh, yeah, a little space madness is good for a podcast, <laughs> I think. We're doing okay. I'm just trying to keep up with old Jeff Bezos. Uh, Going to meet him up there. We got a little cocktail party planned. Uh, me, him, and his brother. And uh, yeah, well, I'm doing what I can. I feel like you should also, like, sort of make it up to that test monkey because you don't know that back here on Earth, that monkey has been interviewed time and time again about how screwed over he feels. Like, that was his ticket towards stardom, and you ripped it from his hands, and so now he carries a vengeance. I'm surprised you haven't had, like, threats against your life. Oh, I have. I have. Uh, <laughs> have you met this monkey, though? He is a jerk. Look, his name's Steve. Oh, yeah, he's an asshole, dude. His name's Steve, and uh, this guy, he and I have had it in for each other for a long time. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I make some protein shakes, right? I've been doing things uh, for my body, and uh, I bought some bananas. I didn't know he was going for the same bananas as me at the grocery store, and I took the cluster he was after that was great. It was ripe. They were good-ass oh, bananas, in all fairness. Uh, but yeah. this monkey was, uh, you know, just held a grudge. And so he and I have been just kind of going at it until now where I took his spot. And, uh, yeah, he's a little little peeved, but uh, fuck him. I mean, rightfully <laughs> so, though. I mean, I'd be pissed if you took my spot on a NASA space shuttle, dude. I've been working my whole life for that. And, I mean, you know, I've seen, we like, we've seen his training videos, dude. That monkey got yoked, homie. Like, I am honestly surprised I think you had to steal it from him because between you and me, dude, like, you know, like, I love you to death. I got your back. That monkey would have kicked your ass in a one-on-one, dude. I'm sorry to say. Well, that right. Guy was so ripped. that's where it all started was at the gym. So uh, I think he was using the bananas and his protein shakes the same way that I was. And uh, uh, this is starting to become clear. So you guys just kind of had a series. Like first it was just the bananas. Then like next thing you guys know, you're going to the same gym and you're trying right. to use the same equipment. Dude, it's you know what's funny? Of things. You know what's funny about that story, though? It always ends the same way, which is that you guys just don't realize how similar to each other you really are and how you'd be the best of friends if you could just come to give each other a chance. Yeah, yeah, like Swayze and Demi Moore, we just need to uh, make some pottery together and like come together, <laughs> little monkey paws on his uh, on his vase, and then I come behind him as the big spoon, and uh, and and you know we come together that way. Uh, maybe that's the end of our story arc. We'll see how it plays out. For right now, though, uh, we got a movie to talk about, my friend. Uh, are you ready to talk about The Void from 2017? 
I am I am ready to talk, yes, sir, because I have things to say. Why don't you go ahead and break it down with a description for our listeners first? All right, from director uh, directors plural Jeremy Gillespie and Stephen Kotansky. Um, this is when uh, described on IMDb as when Sheriff Deputy Carter discovers a blood-soaked man limping down a deserted road. He rushes him to a local hospital with bare bones night shift staff as cloaked cult-like figures surround the building. The patients and staff inside start to turn ravenously insane. Trying to protect the survivors, Carter leads them into the depths of the hospital where they discover a gateway to a month's evil. Jason, what did you think about this movie? As always, my friend, I'm going to be happy to discuss with you right after we listen to this trailer for The Void. Get far. I need hands up front for your stretcher. Where'd you find this guy? I need a copy of code three and I need assist. So before we get into this, there's really a couple things that I want to get out of the way. Okay, first of all, that trailer is amazing. And I wish that my experience with the film more closely resembled the experience I thought I was going to get after watching that trailer. So props to the editors or the production (laughs) team, whoever it was responsible for that amazing trailer for what I'm going to go ahead and say was not necessarily an amazing film. We'll, we'll go look, into that more here. This movie is a, uh, a, a, a cheesecake factory menu of pros and cons, and uh, <laughs> there is a lot Which to is like extensive, about. Right? I mean, those, those <laughs> menus like are twenty-seven pages long. Right. Anyone that's been to a cheesecake factory, bring your uh, bring your readers because uh, you're going to be sitting there for a minute. Um, yeah, this is a this is a pros and cons list uh, of immense size and girth. Um, there's a lot to like about this movie. There really is. It's it's. Uh, you know, they gave it a good solid go and you could tell what they were going for. Um, it is an ambitious film. Um, kudos to them for shooting their shot. Uh, you know, look, uh, it's like the, the drunk guy in the bar with the hot girl and, and you're a three and she's a, a, an eight and a half and you just go for it. And that's what they did. These guys, <laughs> these directors were the three and a half. Uh, the things they were trying to do with this movie were the hot girl in the bar at 2 a.m. And uh, they yeah. shoot, shot their shot and, uh, you know, they missed. 
they didn't get to go home with the girl, but, uh, you know, they tried. And, and as their friends, I, I give them a hug and say, you know, you tried, buddy. Let's just go yeah. home and, and, and try again tomorrow. Um, but I will say I, there I, wasn't like a complete whiff. Like they at least were right, able to get right. like, I don't know, like a kiss, a kiss on the cheek or a pet. Like it wasn't like a, a complete absolute, like, you know, go screw yourself even, type of response. Maybe, maybe even a handy in the men's room. I don't <laughs> maybe. know. They let him cup breast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, something happened here. There's something, uh, there's a lot to like. I did, I, I don't regret watching it. Again, this is just one of those films that uh, I wouldn't recommend to anybody. You know, funny thing is, um, uh, this is kind of the, it's it's interesting that we're following The Endless because to me, yeah. it's the exact opposite of that, wherein uh, they, they kind of, uh, knocked it out of the park on the on the sights and sounds and the and the effects and all the things that the endless kind of uh, laid up and made par on, but they fell short, like way short on plot, character depth, and all the things that the endless knocked it out of the park on. That and sure. I feel like the endless is a much stronger movie for it, and so yeah. Um, you know, it really teaches you what's the most important thing here. You know, uh, is it? the monsters, the creature effects, you know, you throw all this shit into what looks cool and that's cool. And it's fun, you know, to watch all that. But, uh, at the end of the day, you know, by the time you're into the third act, you just stop giving a shit about what the fuck yeah. is going on. And that it's unfortunate because that's when this movie goes ape shit bananas and cranks it to 11, <laughs> but, but you don't care. And so yeah, it's really, really weird, you know? Yeah. I don't know. And we'll go ahead and get into like more of the reasons specifically. Yeah. Why yeah. On yeah that. Definitely. Uh, the other thing I will say too, um, just before we really get into it here is that again, if you listen to us regularly, you know that we generally will play the movie clips alongside uh, the episodes. We're not going to have any clips for you. There were none available on the old YouTube. They did have the movie available, but I was sorry, guys. I was not going to go through an hour and a half and trim out a couple <laughs> minutes here and there. I wasn't going to ask Ryan to like, we're just, you know, maybe for a different movie. Not for this one. As uh, the, the other- editor of this podcast, I thank you, Jason, because I would have been the one uh, stuck with <laughs> yeah, the Yeah, I'm not going to do that to you, buddy. Here. Um, <laughs> now, the other thing, too, I will let our listeners know, uh, if you do want to go ahead and check out this movie, and again, you know, it doesn't sound like either of us are prepared to give this like our full-on recommendation, but it, it may be a movie that you should at least check out if you do, like, kind of cosmic horror stuff, um, especially if you go to YouTube, because it turns out it's available for free on YouTube. There's I know, like two and different fuck my life, because I paid files. for this movie. Same uh, here, dude. I went to Amazon, I paid my four bucks or whatever, and then as I was looking up the clips afterwards, I was like, God damn it, this movie's right here. Ugh. I know. Hey, in, there, HD, in, in all fairness, uh, just, you know, keeping everything on the level, uh, there are a lot of people that like this movie. If you pull up reviews, there are um, absolutely there's a considerable amount of people that appreciate it for what it is. Uh, you know, the the bloody disgustings of the world or the, you know, the gore uh, hounds and, and people that are into the creature effects and and the blood and the monsters and, and the um you know, okay, the, but I'm the into those things. All of that. It's not both of us are. I mean, we sat here and like sucked Dead Alive's dick for an hour and a half right. because of its creature effects and gore. And that's I mean, fair. Like, but but I did like this movie uh, on that level. I mean, I, I when the, we got to those parts of this film, I actually did appreciate those moments for what they were. Now, in the context of the entire film, as I said before, I just stopped giving a shit. But that doesn't mean I wasn't having fun after I let go of 
the fact that I didn't care about any of the characters or anything. Yeah. I just, uh, I enjoyed it for what it was. I was just hoping for a little more, especially following such bangers as uh, Dead Alive and The Endless and Under the Skin. And we were on such yeah. a roll and then, you know, we, we really kind of got to this. So anyway. Yeah, that's fine. All right, well, let's go ahead out. and let's, yeah, let's go ahead and let's actually like really get into this. So Yeah, 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 do it. We're going to go ahead and we're going to start Ryan where? At the beginning. Absolutely. So when this film opens... We're in the entryway of an old house. Now, the inside is dimly lit, but there's light peering through a window, and it exposes dulled, dusty floorboards and paint-chipped walls, as well as a pair of blood-soaked legs. Now, we hear a woman scream outside. The camera floats urgently away from the legs toward the front door, which is closed, but features a large black triangle, which we immediately know that we're going to see again. Suddenly, from inside the house, a young man flings the door open and runs forth into the night sky, which wraps up our opening shot for The Void. Now, immediately after that, there's a girl. She runs after this guy from inside. She follows the guy out and and pretty much immediately gets shot. And that young guy, and there's, there's a young guy outside, he douses this girl with gas, and then there's like this sort of you know, elderly father figure, uncle, what have you. He lights a cigarette and drops it on her. And right before we go to the credit sequence, which was actually pretty interesting, is where we see our guy in a white robe, right? This sort of cult member that's going to keep popping up in different respects and volumes over the course of this movie. So, Ryan, I will tell you, I actually did really like the credit sequence. Um, It was, you know, pretty simple and effective. A lot of nice photography, a lot of sort of black and purple and green, which is kind of that inherent aesthetic that a lot of people bring to cosmic horror when you're talking about elder gods of the universe and inner dimensions you know you get those like purples and greens and blacks and you know portals and space and all that sort of shit that i love and uh very very soon after that we're introduced to our protagonist now he's a he's a small town cop and his name is daniel ryan i would like to just know high level what did you think of our protagonist daniel um inconsistent for starters i thought he was like a pushover cop really weird to see especially in uh especially in this uh political and uh <laughs> cultural climate uh, the this, cops we're familiar with this cop is so agreeable like uh give me your gun he's like okay <laughs> like whoa <laughs> you can just do that i didn't know you could ask i never really uh, tried it before but uh certainly want to try that now uh give me your badge and gun sir and he's just like all right you're, you got me you oh, got the shucks, okay right yeah <laughs> and then um you know there was some uh, ham-fisted exposition that they dumped right up front uh, about his baby and all of this and and uh you know it just felt a little uh what is it jason Ham-fisted, uh, right up front. Ham-fisted. Uh, You're welcome, <laughs> Javon, who I know is listening. Yeah, yeah. Our, our friend of the show, Javon, is uh, uh, well-educated in the in the legend. Go of back and listen to the uh, Born on the Fourth of July episode, listeners, if you don't know what we're talking about. But anyway, yeah. I mean, I, I just um, I was in. I mean, whatever. It, the, the movie had just started. We're like uh, you know ten minutes in at this point. Uh, also, I will say it's a pretty short film. Uh, we didn't mention that. I think it's only an hour and a half. Yeah, solid so, ninety minutes. Uh, in all fairness, uh, it scooted right along. It didn't really drag. Uh, and we get into some shit, like you said, in the opening sequence, and then uh, it doesn't take too long, um, you know, before it really kind of lays it on you and shows you where you're at. But um, that you know. Uh, chalk that up in the pros column, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. So here's the thing, Ryan, is, yeah, I, I generally agree with you. I really didn't like this guy. I thought he was pretty unlikable. He's kind of, like, whiny and even, like, 
overly defensive. And I think part of it, too, is just they didn't really give him or really any of the characters, for that matter, uh, the best dialogue to work with. You know, there's a lot of, like, clunky drops with regard to, like, info where it's like, ah, you better be careful. You know, uh, she's most people don't respond well to losing a kid and then they'll just, like, walk away from it. And that's it. It's like, I really feel like that should have been gone into a little bit more. Right. Like, you know, I definitely agree. Yeah, everything um, was so matter of fact. Like, um, yeah, yeah. They just and then here's the thing too, there, Jason, like, is yeah. that uh, in this. So you know, every, the opening sequence happens, and then we're in this hospital where he they, they take they've taken this kid or whatnot, and uh, he gets dropped okay, well, off. Uh, so let's hold on, back up real quick. So so the 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 kid that you're talking about is basically this this cop is outside. We, we see him. He's in front of a he's on patrol in front of like a cornfield, and then this dude staggers out. He thinks he's just like a drunkard or you know so some kid who's a little bit hammered or something, and then. And he ends up being like almost completely incoherent as well as covered in blood. So our, our protagonist, Daniel, picks him up and takes him to a local hospital. So go ahead. Right. Sorry about that. I missed that. I left that out. Doesn't matter. Doesn't. I mean, at the end, <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that shortly. But yeah, uh, it only matters to uh, further prove my bitching about this film. Uh, so yeah, he. so th- we find out this kid is... Uh, we recognize him or I recognized him as the kid from the opening sequence, right? Like that's the guy that was running away when the girl got shot. Yeah. Is that correct? Uh-huh. Correct. Right. So um, we go in the hospital after he gets dropped off and we get introduced to all our characters, our, our ragtag group mm-hmm. of people that we're going to be with for the rest of the film. Uh, and I'll let you introduce those and we'll talk about that shortly. But I will say going into this, that as we get introduced to these people to prove your point that you just brought up, um, there are a litany of things that are just nonchalantly dropped. And it's so, uh, it's just skipping around like a CD with a scratch on it that I just couldn't really pick up what, like they were just giving me so many little nuggets without really settling in or like layering anything that it just felt like I didn't know what was important or what wasn't. Um, You know, the, the, the foreshadowing was a little off. And I'm trying to get to know these people, knowing full well that I'm probably going to be with them for a while. And uh, I should probably care about them as they, you know, some of them are probably not going to be with us or whatnot. Uh, And I just didn't. I I didn't know. I was so confused by the time this shit started to hit the fan, um, you know, 10, 15 minutes after this, that, uh, you know, and they continued throughout the film in all three acts to continue to like, oh, yeah. Uh, And then also this. So, uh, you know, basically (laughs) this film felt like a five-year-old. Have you ever had a five-year-old try to tell you a story and they're just like (laughs) leaving out important notes and then going back to fill it in? And oh yeah. And then um, the one guy was a clown. And you're like, well, you probably should have led with that. And then, then, um, oh, and then five-year-old guy, he, he crashed his motorcycle. And you're like, oh, he's on a motorcycle now? Yeah, he's on a motorcycle. It's like, Jesus Christ, can you shut up? And, 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 And so that's... That's uh, The Void, 2017, Uh, (laughs) (laughs) ta-da. Now, the funny thing, too, is I don't know how you felt about this, but I was actually reminded of uh, a certain nomenclature that you invoked during our Dagon episode regarding the actress. And literally the entire movie, for like 87 of the 90 minutes, all I could think about watching Daniel, the protagonist, was how he was Kirkland brand Kieran Culkin. (laughs) The entire time it was like it was like they wanted Kieran Culkin clearly for this role and they couldn't afford him. (laughs) And they were like, who's the not even the next best thing, but like who is who is somewhat like him that we can afford. And they settled on whoever the hell this guy was. 
And but I mean, like even even down to like the way his hair's parted and shit. Because I was just right. watching uh, uh, what's the Succession? Succession. And watching yeah. The, yeah. And it was like he totally looks like even it looks like Roman, you know, from that show. So uh, so yeah. So so from here on out, uh, Daniel. It will also be called Kirkland Brand Kieran Culkin. Well, I mean, the, everyone in this film is good value somebody, and then this film is good value John Carpenter or Clive Barker. So, you know, everything is just trying to live up to something else that's done it better. There's a better version of everything and everybody in this film. Uh, you know, look, uh, they did the best they could with what they had to work with. I really do believe that... Uh, it's the script. I think that it all comes down to the script. I think the script suffered and they put all their money into the gore and the effects and the creature effects, which were good uh, for all intents and purposes. That's the pros column. I enjoyed the creature effects. But without a good script or any character design, um, all it ever did was make me wish I was watching Lord of Illusions or In the Mouth of Madness, <laughs> which did this much better uh, on all yeah. levels with the cult thing uh, in Lord of Illusions. I fucking love Lord of... Now, I haven't seen it in many years. I don't know if it holds up, but uh, yeah, In the Mouth of Madness, kind of a similar deal. But um, anyway... Yeah, so let's go ahead and let's kind of, again, walk through a little bit of this. Yeah, yeah, rain it back so, in, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, by the way, it should be mentioned that, so this kid that they end up bringing in, that's, you know, supposedly the guy that's escaped from the house at the beginning, uh, the doctor inspects him and he's got, like, track marks on his arm, right? Like, like he's a heroin user or something. So they admit him into the hospital and, you know, he's kind of in this group with, I guess we've got, you know, the pregnant chick and the grandpa. We've got the two nurses, one of whom is like the wife of the guy Daniel. We've got the, the, cop, the sort main of character. Eight, yeah, we've got the Asian girl who's like the nurse in training, and then there's a couple other people that are, that are going to show up as well. And uh, in, in sort of again, you know, sort of really clunky ways. Like to your point, everything just sort of happens in this movie, and I think that it probably made a lot of sense on the back end, but that maybe the right information wasn't necessarily communicated. I don't know. Let's see as we kind of walk through this. So basically what really kicks things off is, you know, once uh, once everyone's admitted and, you know, this uh, girl Beverly, she's the second nurse, you know, she's basically going and checking on this guy who's already there and there's a little weird exchange and then we see Daniel and he wanders off and then we see the nurse like stabbing the dude in the eye all of a sudden and that just sort of came out of nowhere I didn't really seem to have any sort of like setup and I was sort of wondering like was it supposed to be like Daniel brought some sort of evil in with him or like was it the kid but like you know why that all of a sudden started happening I, I, I wasn't exactly certain because I think that the threat was still outside, but you know, so that that again was unclear. And then yeah, you know, she stuff sort of just turns, happened in this movie without yeah. any motivation or explanation, and and it's it's leaving you as the viewer to figure it out. Like, yeah, you know, I felt like it was on me or that I was missing something. But then when you go back and really start to break it apart, no, I didn't miss anything. You just didn't give it to me. So now I'm left to fill in the gaps on my own. But then they go back later in the film and start to fill in some of these gaps as if it was like. Oh, you know, stick with it. We'll tell you later. And some movies have done that successfully. So, you know, you could have plot twists. You could have, oh, we'll tell you later. Uh, and you just have to watch it. But this did it unsuccessfully, wherein yeah. by the time they told me, I didn't care anymore. Well, because to do that effectively, you've really, you know, I mean, this is where elements of, you know, foreshadowing and all of that, you know, sort of artsy intellectual approaches to storytelling 
and structure and all of those things come into play, you know? And yeah, you right. do have to lead breadcrumbs, you know? You have to allude to things and refer to them. If you just drop something and never refer to it again and you didn't set it up beginning, then it's just, it's pointless, right? Don't don't bring it up. Don't make it a part of things. Just, just, just leave it out, you know? Um, I think that's one of the pratfalls of indie filmmaking is that, and I think it's, it, this is true of anybody who's just starting out. I think anytime you're on a sort of beginner or amateur level, part of the reason that your material isn't as strong as it may be later is because I think that, yeah, there's this element of let's throw a bunch of stuff at the wall and see what sticks. And I think even that comes from a place of like, not being confident necessarily in your storytelling, right? Because, I mean, you know, I've, I've, I've done some different storytelling. I have my book and all these sort of different things. And, yeah, I remember, like, you know, I'm thinking of, like, my book specifically. And it was like, ah, I'm going to put in all this stuff. And then, you know, I'll also put in this. Because that way, if somebody doesn't like this, there's this. And then before you know it, you just have all these sort of ideas that are stacked on one another without necessarily getting, like, the room and space to be explored that they deserve. And, again, I think that that comes from, you know, a lack of experience and a lack of confidence Whereas, you know, later on in, you know, it's it's also just like comedy too, right? It's like, um, you know, you can throw like a million different jokes at the wall and hopefully one or two of them are funny. Or you can like really work to construct like, you know, five to seven solid jokes, you know, over the course of like a minute and a half to two minutes or something. So right. I think that was kind of one, like I said, you know, this being an indie film, amateur filmmakers, beginner filmmakers, they just tried to do too much. And to your point earlier, they really did bite off more than they can chew. I mean, you kind of have to know, like, you can't be telling interdimensional space monster stories and shit, you know, with your 50 grand budget. And I know they ended up getting more from Indiegogo campaign, which we can talk about later, but yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if you did uh, any deep dive on these uh, cats that made this film, but Jeremy uh, Gillespie and Steven Katansky are basically creature effects design and art department guys. So okay. they're not story guys and they leaned Got into it. what they knew and that's why that succeeded um they have worked with uh guillermo del toro uh doing movies like pacific rim and shape of water and they came up uh came together on of all things uh ironically the terribly received david ayers the suicide squad not to be confused oh, with wow. James Gunn Suicide Squad. So yeah. they were literally working on uh the Suicide Squad by David Ayer, the first one, and um uh, they decided that I guess upstairs they knew Guillermo from uh, pre previous films that they had collaborated on him with. And he was upstairs doing some uh, uh, at Pinewood Studios, I believe, uh, doing some stuff for the failed H.P. Uh, Lovecraft, The Mountain of Madness that never came to be. Unfortunately, mm. I'm not a huge Guillermo fan. Are you? Uh, I adore Hellboy 2 way more than most people do. Like, I get crap for how much I love that movie. Interestingly enough, though, I don't really love a lot of his other work. Uh, I need to go back and rewatch it, but I remember being kind of underwhelmed by Pan's Labyrinth. Uh, I never saw The Shape of Water. But but like I said, I will die on the hill of Hellboy 2 being like one of my favorite just that's fun fair films i i will say though that i feel like guillermo suffers the same thing i didn't like about this movie just on a 100 million dollar budget scale or 80 million dollar budget scale versus whatever they these guys had uh wherein i love the creature effects of i mean pan's labyrinth is bananas crazy with that shit and uh a lot of what 
uh, Guillermo does succeeds on the effects level. I just never really care about, I mean, even Hellboy, uh, to your credit, but I just don't really ever care about the characters. I think the story suffers. So, uh, even their mentors that they were looking up to, I think kind of fall in some of these tropes that we're going through, but yeah, um, rewinding it and then, you know, getting back to the story. I'm sorry. We went off on a bit of a tangent, but yeah, I just feel like these guys weren't story guys these guys are art department yeah, guys that decided absolutely. they were going to go shoot their shot and in that regard they succeeded at what they knew and they you know maybe learned some lessons and stumbled along the way with some of the things they didn't uh but they decided to just go make this film uh to your to, you started to go into they did have an indiegogo campaign where they raised uh, you know 80 some odd thousand dollars for creature effects this is another one of those films like the endless where i scoured the internet and couldn't find a budget an actual budget yeah um but it's not out know, there i look too Call it a couple hundred grand. Uh, maybe they had a hundred grand, you know, for regular shit, and then you know, eighty grand extra they raised uh, for monsters and creatures. But uh, anyway, yeah, yeah. So you know, and as we get back to the film, there's also these introductions of these characters, like the older cop that shows up right here, and yeah. it's just like Daniel. Daniel kind of. I mean, there is that kind of cool scene where Daniel goes to the bathroom and he kind of has like the psychedelic visions and we kind of see like the floating triangle stone pyramid thing that's going to show up back at the end. And then we also get those cool quick shots of like the undulating gory masses. And those are all used to great effect. Um, But at the end of the day, it's like, what, you know, 30, 45 seconds of just kind of quick editing. And then you come back to the story and then things fall apart again. So, yeah, all of a sudden there's this sort of older cop there. And then, he, again, with the, you know, the the sort of just drops, I think it comes from a misunderstanding. Like, in screenwriting, they tell you, like, oh, speak to backstory. And I think they just understood it conceptually but not in execution. Um, so, you know, he even says right there, he's like, ah, you got, you know, you've got no bearing on this situation, kid. Your dad would have done so much better. He'd be disappointed in you. And I'm once again, it's like, <laughs> oh, OK, so now his dad was a sheriff back in the day. And it's like you just you just drop these things and move right along all day yep. long. And it really gets dulled. So um, but yeah. So and then there is a scene where, you know, Daniel wants to call it in because basically he ends up. That nurse that was stabbing the dude in the eye, she cuts off her face. She turns. She goes to attack Daniel. He shoots her. That's what that's what makes him sick. And then he wants to, like, call it in. And they're like, calm down. And he's like, no, no, we've got to call it in. And so then he, like, goes and runs outside to call it in. And that's where we kind of get our first sense of what's going on outside uh, where, you know, he goes to the car. He's trying to call it in. The radio is all static. And then we get the giant foghorn blare. Now, Ryan, apparently just in our watching all of these movies, uh, apparently the foghorn is the official call of inter- interdimensional doom or masses <laughs> or gods or something, right? Like all of these films, like any any time there is like a cosmic horror being showing up, it's foghorn, whether it's the endless or the lighthouse or the or the void. Like so I just thought that was kind of funny and yeah, more familiar no, with definitely. <laughs> and, uh, the, so, yeah, the devil and, loves a good foghorn, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> He's analog. And, yeah, right. And then shortly after that, that's where we get another of these white robed gentlemen. Now, again, Ryan, I understand this is, you know, a uh, an indie film here. I, am I being overly discriminatory or those, were those white robes kind of not threatening at all and kind of stupid? Like it was, yeah. I, for, they, they I don't like a child's ghost costume with the eye holes and all that it shit. Did. They have it a triangle like a, over the face, you know, for whatever. <laughs> it was you like know, an we'll imitation that goes later, KKK but. robe. And for some reason, I also like, there was a shape of it. It just made me think of the knight from Monty Python. 
And again, when that's what you're <laughs> reminding me of, it's hard to take you seriously as an, as a threat when, you know, it's like, oh, it's a flesh wound. Like, ah, no, he'll be fine. I think um, if there was more payoff with uh, with all of this, I, I would have been a little more forgiving on the costumes and stuff, especially yeah. with how cool the monsters and creature designs were. Um, but Kind of, but I mean, they also didn't really let us get a sense of, of them. Like, they didn't... I, some of them looked like they would have been cooler, but, like, some of them were also just really, really dark and obfuscated, which is generally what you do when your makeup effects suck. Yeah. So, but then they raised a bunch of money and, like, used, from what I can tell, basically, like, the same budget on practical creature effects as it, they, as they spent on, like, the rest of the movie in all respects. <laughs> right. Uh, so, you know, if you're doing that, you better damn well show us those things. So we'll get into that a little <laughs> bit later here. So, um, you know, base, and then, you know, when the, the, the white robe guy does attack Daniel, he basically, you know, they have these knives, you know, they're, they're bringing knives to gunfights. So again, why am I, it's not that scary. He does end up pouncing on him, gets a little bit of penetration, but Daniel, who again, not a strong dude, kind of chucks him away pretty easily, runs back into the, uh, station and then, you know, I think this is what this is why the film is disappointing is because every every like 10 minutes, 12 minutes, you're ready to write this movie off. And then it has some cool little thing that they throw in there where you're like, OK, maybe this is where it gets cool. So like right yep. now, I'm specifically thinking of that shot after he runs in and that 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 nurse Beverly that's dead has these like crazy furry spider legs coming out of her mouth. It's just like this like three second shot and you're like, oh, cool. It's going to be awesome. And then it's on now. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and then like there, there is some cool stuff like, you know, Daniel passes out. He wakes to the scream from the junkie and then she turns into this sort of like tentacled creature. Right. And I don't know, maybe I've just been spoiled by films like The Thing, which again, I mentioned I'm not a huge John Carpenter fan, but I love the practical effects from The Thing. And it's like, you know, when you show us those whole transformation process with the dog and with these crazy creatures, um, you know, when you kind of when I get the sort of half ass version, which, again, I understand financial implications, um, but it's just not really what I wanted. Right. I, I mean, you know, for, for the budget and for the size of the film and everything, it was suitable. Better than I could have done. You know what I mean? Like, if I was trying to do that shit, I wouldn't have been able to knock it out of the park like they did. So they had some level of experience with makeup and shit. Uh, I do agree with you yeah. that it was dark and obfuscated and all that um, for a lot of the effects down the road. Uh, there was a bit of a payoff at the end. Um, but again, by then, I just stopped caring <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> you know, narratively, I just, you know, it, it was visuals at that point and I've seen better visuals. So whatevs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now. And then speaking of, of uninter- like the way that they just sort of bring in random people, we also then immediately get like the dad and son. We'll just call them. I don't even know if they're related, but it's the guys from the beginning that I l- was lit so the girl on fire by what the fuck these guys were doing there. Yeah. And, you know, they to show up and they're. <laughs> <laughs> They're kind of like the badass guys. Yeah, I don't know, but so apparently, apparently it's like uh, I, w- I was reading up a little bit after the fact, and they're supposed to like. It's not very clear, but they somehow know what's going on, and they're kind of like the self-appointed duo that's trying to like fight this evil off or this doctor dude or whatever. Um, it's it's not again. It's it's really just alluded to in in the context of the film. I have a question. And, uh, 
Yes. Were, were they the ones in the opening? I wasn't going to go back and watch it because by the time I shut this movie off, I shut this movie off. But were they the ones in the opening sequence that shot the girl and were going after yes. the boy and therefore Correct. followed him to the hospital to go finish Correct. what they started? Yeah. yeah. So, so what were they like, doing in that house in the first and that's, place? And that's what I'm saying is like they don't really go into it, but they kind of allude to the fact that like these two are like – the guys that know what's going on and they're trying to like stop this ultimate evil thing, right? Right. Like, but again, they don't really go into why that is, how they got Best together, I can any tell, of that. The cults, but- the cults that we, you know, these guys in the sheets or whatever that are, you know, have pinned these guys in the hospital more or less and surrounded the hospital to keep them in there. And then, you know, I'm not, without getting too far down the road, we'll, we'll explain that here shortly. But the best I could tell is the cult uh, in the white sheets have somehow killed their family or the rest of their family or whatnot. And so they're trying to go and eliminate them. The guy that has the needle tracks that was brought in by the cop in the opening sequence, along with the woman uh, that got shot uh, and died, that got lit on fire or whatnot, uh, they were just in the wrong place at the wrong time looking for drugs or something. And um, so... Yeah, well, that's apparently how they, like, lure people into this, like, sex death cult is, like, with, you know, they get, like, junkies and they're like, hey, we got, you know, we're having a a meth sex party back at the house. People are like, cool, I like meth and sex, let's go. And then they're like, ha-ha, I got you, bitch. It's experiments. Ha-ha. So these two went in to go clean house or something, you know, and go kill, you start to thin the the herd, if you will, and get revenge. And then, yeah. you know, in doing so, ran into this couple um, that we find out later. Again, everything we find out later. Oh, we'll tell you later. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. Now <laughs> so it does don't worry up, about it. Yeah. Now, it does set up an important sort of, I guess you could argue it's important, but at least in terms of the end of the film, it's important storyline, which is like the whole thing with the doctor, right? Because right. the junkie guy ends up holding the pregnant chick hostage and then the doctor tries to intervene and he ends up like stabbing the doctor and then the doctor like dies. But, you know, regular scratch, he's going to be undead very soon. And, you know, it turns out that this doctor guy is going to be sort of like a central. He's really going to be the ultimate antagonist, which they don't even introduce until like well over halfway into the film, which I think to your point is another reason why it's hard to get into because we haven't again halfway through the film. There's no established antagonist and they're just trying to survive from this from these robe guys that aren't that dangerous and these things that may or may not be out there and. Everything's left so ambiguous. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, but then, uh, you know, there's the whole part where the pregnant girl is actually going to have her baby. Daniel's elsewhere. And so the Allison nurse, the wife character is going to go and get the drugs so that they can make sure because without the drugs, either the baby's going to die or the mom's going to die. So she goes to look for that. That gets her on her own. And then she finally makes it. But then that's where we see the doctor sort of come back to life, right? He's like standing behind her when she's grabbing the different um, medications and drugs and whatever they are that the, yeah, you see the the bloody sheet that they covered him up with, uh, you know, just laying on the ground, you know, and then they're like, where'd he go? And then, you know, we find out where he went. Uh, and now yeah. he's with Allison or whatnot. Yeah, right. and then uh, and then we've got Daniel and the rest of them. They end up going to this part of the hospital that's supposed to be like burned down. And then I think it was something where it's like the Asian nurse was saying that the stairs that were there that they take like weren't supposed to be there. So I guess there's this sort of supernatural element that's kind of yeah. going on at the time. 
And the, the cop then goes we, looking for his wife, you know, and then they Scooby Doo the fuck out of it, wherein they're like, you know, what we should do <laughs> the best thing we could possibly do is split up into m- many small groups. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Absolutely. And then that's when you know we get the scene of after the undead doctor is Allison is basically captured by the doctor, and she's you know pinned down or you know strapped down to this gurney, and we see the doctor. Picking apart his own face because I guess that's part of this madness. Again, I don't understand why. He, yeah, these kind of an event horizon thing going on yeah. with Sam Neill a little bit. Like there are so many homages in this film that are directly lifted from other films. Yeah, um, that it just made me want to go watch those films. Like I said in the beginning, like I I, I appreciated the winks and nods and the homages, but really. Uh, fine. I'll go watch Event yeah. Horizon. That's a great and, film. I'll go watch Lord of Illusions or whatever. The Thing. All great films. I like those movies. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And the funny thing, too, is actually it reminded me of um, Cure for Wellness that we did in season one early on. Okay. Just with regard to the whole thing about how the mad scientist, uh, you know, undead doctor guy has Dr. his crazy Vollmer? monologue. Yeah, exactly. Well, no, but in, in this film, The Undead Doctor, it's the same thing as Vollmer, where he's basically, it turns out that the reveal, the whole reason that he's doing this crazy sex cult death thing is so he can experiment on people because he believes that he's figured out how to bring his daughter back from the dead. Right. Right. And it's like, it was the same thing kind of with Cure for Wellness, you know, like just doing all these different experiments and being sort of undead and like doing it to you know, bring your daughter back and, and, and like, it's, yeah, I, I, again, I guess that's something of a, a so if if we're going there already, which, uh, you know, in all fairness, the story for this film could be summarized at about a page and a half, but, um, everything else is just monsters and filler. But, but if we're going there already, I want to ask you about that. So he has, uh, you've already introduced Allison that the doctor is kidnapped when she went to go look for drugs. There's a pregnant girl that was there at the hospital with her grandfather, um, you know, who she went to go get drugs for because she's going into labor. So, yeah. um, and the, the cult has surrounded the hospital. Allison is, you know, put her foot down and told her husband cop, I got to go do this or this baby's going to die. Okay. Well, she goes and does it again, Scooby doing the fuck out of it. Let's all just separate. And then the doctor kidnaps her because of course she gets strapped down to this gurney and the doctor gives her this big monologue and starts peeling his face off while he's explaining about his da- daughter dying just as, uh, Allison and the cop's daughter uh, kid or whatever had passed away during childbirth as well. So mm-hmm. in, in this monologue, he's explaining to Allison, our head nurse, um, who's now strapped to a gurney, and that I can, you know, basically I took from that originally that he was going to use her as the vessel to bring his daughter back through her. And so when you see like yeah. the belly shifting around and swirling around um, with whatever monster he's put inside her or impregnated her, I thought, okay, Mm -hmm. now she's now possessed with this demon or, or whatever in the way that because the doctor wanted to bring his daughter back. And then we find out later that it was the pregnant girl that he has, that he was the father of that baby. And he's impregnated her in order again to bring his daughter back. So is he just like, you know, trying to, you know, curse his way out of this, dead daughter situation with various women or like, or or was the Allison thing? Like I'll get your kid back and my kid back. Or like, why do you have that? Why was that going on in duality? You see what I'm saying? Like, why was the Allison and the other chick both? I feel like he was giving similar monologues for both chicks. Like I'm going to bring my daughter back and you know, one way or another. And, uh, 
I'm like, wait, which one though? Like, are they both? And then you find out none of them are. It's still some mutant, you know, crazy monster thing that comes out because of course. But um, yeah, yeah, I guess I, I didn't really I guess, understand that. I guess the idea is just sort of demonstrating that he like can make her pregnant, right? Uh, even though because yeah, shortly thereafter, like there's a bunch of like the tentacles sort of burst out of her body and then uh, Kirkland brand Kieran Culkin ends up hacking away at it, like with, with an ax. <laughs> and then the doctor's like, Oh, see, like I made her a mother again. I can do this for you guys. And I can do this for you, Daniel. You just have to like submit and kill yourself for some reason. <sighs> again, right. I don't, I, I don't, I don't understand and he walks in what? and sees he her on the gurney and she's fine. And then all those tentacles, all of a sudden, like, uh, instant flash, he sees what's actually there because apparently, like, the good thing was the hallucination, but the bad thing was what was really happening with all the tentacles everywhere over the whole room. By the way, that was a cool shot. I love the tentacle shit with all, you know, coming oh, out yeah. of her and everything. That yeah, was and really the way they dope. go into people's faces and through the eyes. Yeah, and through the mouth and yeah. Stuff like but that. then, like, like, yeah, that was the good stuff that keeps it but from then being she, like, like a shit. You know, movie. kind of, uh, you know, she brundle flies it and she, like, looks at me and she's like, do it. And he's like, all right. And he, like, straight up axes the fuck out of his wife without any remorse. And, like, there wasn't much after the fact. He was, like, almost like, oh, thank God. <laughs> I finally get to end, like, you know. But yeah, I but no, was... to your point, like, I couldn't, What like, what what was that creature and why did it exist in Allison? Because very right. shortly thereafter, to your point, his daughter is is in the pregnant girl's womb. So what was in Allison's that, like. Unless he was just experimenting on her, to your point, about how he could invoke life out of nothing. that's the only thing I can think of, Through possession and the cult, um, in a buildup to him finally finding a vessel to bring his own daughter back. Uh, So, because we find in the basement, as they're going through, uh, Kirkland Brand, Kieran Culkin, and and, uh, the ragtag father and son renegades that we run into in the beginning, they, again, Scooby-Doo off to just the three of them to go wander through the basements in search of Allison, in build-up to this scene we're discussing. And, uh, by the way, when they went down to the the scary basement, uh, I thought it was hilarious because there's, like, a warning sign basically saying uh, this portion of the—this wing is condemned and not safe for public inhabitants little yellow sign like you'd get it from a county worker and in my mind i'm trying to envision the uh hilarious scene of a county engineer going down to inspect this fucking horror mansion i mean like yeah yeah, we, <laughs> we can't have anyone down here and just sticks up a yellow sign and then puts up some tape and walks away i'm like that's bureaucracy at its fucking finest <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, then we go down then, there and there's all these like, you know, crazy uh, half made monsters and, you know, homages to Hellraiser almost yeah, uh, yeah. down there where we find, you know, through a voiceover from the doctor. He's explaining, uh, I think, to Allison at this point, who's on the gurney. We're kind of backtracking a little bit to explain. I'm trying to fill in some of the gaps. But, sure, yeah, he sure. explains to her, you know, I've been doing this for a long time and they want to die and they cannot. I've, you know, been and now I'm going to bless you with this and blah, blah, blah. So uh, the only thing I can, you know, kind of get from all of that is he's been working trial and error wise to you know, meat market and Frankenstein's monster his way through these curses to, uh, you're working with the occult to, uh, you know, try to figure out how to manipulate life and failing. And, uh, Allison was just another casualty of that, uh, except, uh, through her womb. And so leading up to his, uh, actual, uh, host at the very end of the film that, you know, I guess we'll get to pretty shortly here. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then, 
And again, going back to those things that like we do like about the film where, you know, they, again, it keeps it from being like a one or two, you know, one star film or something like that. Um, you know, they, they, the whole thing with like the giant stone triangle and then the light emitting and, you know, them like sort of praying to that, like, that's a cool shot, you know, like it, it looked really good, you know, especially for an indie film, like, uh, it was, it was really cool. And then even the birth scene, like the, it was filmed pretty well. The effects were okay-ish yeah. with the daughter. Um, and I don't know. I think that. Because I'm trying to think about it right now. Like, it's not that the effects were necessarily, like, any worse than Dead Alive that we looked at recently. But I guess it was just maybe the tone of the film was such that it couldn't get away with it being a little bit cheesier or something like that, you know? Uh, I think that Dead Alive I think it's just directly the talent of Peter Jackson. I mean, we saw what he went on to do and and where he came from. And (laughs) I think he's just a more capable filmmaker, personally, you know? And and he's a story guy. And that that happened to use effects to tell his story. These are effects guys that use stories to tell the show their effects. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think it's a reverse engineering situation. Yeah. So and then, you know, that pretty much is, you know, going to get us to this sort of third act climax and start to wind down on this film, which is, you know, the daughter is born. She emerges from the pregnant girl's torso and basically, you know, so many of the other people are going to she ends up like chasing the dad and the son around and, you know, I think the uh, it so basically, if I remember correctly, it catches the dad and then the dad like douses himself and the creature in gas and tells the son, like, do it, do it. And then like, right. He struggles for a minute and he does. That monster was pretty cool. It was, you know, multi-legged and, and slimy yeah. and this and that had kind of a skull face. And uh, so, you I know, did that, like that they, sort of skull face. But again, I just wish they would have. I, I feel like they tried to just hide it a little bit too much, you know? Well, like I and, and I just didn't care at this point about and anybody. That's, that's, yeah. I was so busy trying to figure out why, you know, all these people were there or what they were doing. And everything was so thrown at me. Um, I, I, you know, as I was preparing for the podcast, I started to piecemeal some of this stuff together after the fact, just by, you know, uh, taking notes and looking some stuff up. But, uh, you know, that shouldn't have to happen every single time I watch a movie. Like you should be able to walk away from the film satisfied and then you go into a deeper dive, yeah, um, you know, totally. to get some of these things in, but you should be able to walk away at least satisfied or, or, you know, mediocre, but, uh, but, um. I don't know. Yeah. And then the way that uh, the way that, you know, the things kind of wrap up is that, you know, Daniel basically ends up he's in a compromising position. They're in front of this giant triangle of light. And Daniel, like, makes the decision that he's going to, like, push both him and the doctor, like, into that light. Now, we'll, we'll get to this in a minute here. But I, it, it's the way that we with the very last shot. With the two of them, with him and Allison standing there, like, what happens to the doctor? Like, apparently Daniel pushes them into this light and the doctor goes away, but he doesn't or like, he's right. OK. Like, they just kind of disappear. But then Allison's there. Yeah, then Allison's, Allison's there, there for some too, reason. And, but the Even doctor's after not. She and it's like, what the fuck? got hacked up with an axe. Yeah, so it's just like, I don't, is the light good? Is the light bad? Where is the doctor? And then the whole thing with... Also, the creature that's being chased, because, you know, basically the son ends up finding the Asian nurse, Kim, that's kind of just been hiding out, and they're able to escape, and the halls of this hospital are, like, closing in, and I guess that's where they introduce the fact that, like, the burned down part of the hospital isn't supposed to be there, 
But why yeah, all it's of like a sudden portal does the to hospital another walls realm close of some in? kind? Like, why is that? Why does that happen? Like, what are the rules? I, and that, and maybe wrapping Indian everything up ground. is like, yeah, and maybe that's the thing is it's like <laughs> the, ru- homage, the rules are consistent, right? That's what we always say about works of fiction, which is you can have the craziest, most batshit rules and physics and magic right. and blah blah blah, whatever the fuck, as long as it's consistent, as long as right. as long as the rules are understood and they apply to everyone equally. And when you have these moments where it betrays the rules that are set forth. Like, those are serious. Like, I remember I had such a huge problem with Willy's Wonderland. I mean, so many problems, but the main one just with the whole thing where one of the mascots captures the girl and then she's just there the next scene. Like, fine. Like, it it kills everything you've established, which is that these things are to be feared because if they capture you, they kill you. Because obviously that didn't happen. And so there's just so many of these moments. It's not even that it's it's uh, breaking a lot of rules. In a lot of ways, it never set them up to begin with. Correct, so you're left yeah. to kind of figure out the rules as you go. And again, I can't state this enough. It really is like listening to a five-year-old try to tell this story wherein uh, they're like, oh, yeah. And then also um, the uh, hospital walls are closing in. You're like, oh, they're closing <laughs> exactly. in? Why? Because um, something in the basement. But then also uh, there's a monster. <laughs> and, and yeah. It's like, Jesus Christ, dude. Like, I'm just so stressed <laughs> out. And, uh, you know, the, the Asian... Uh, uh, nurse intern that you had mentioned, um, you know, she's been, like you said, hiding out, but she's also been hiding out from these cloaked figures uh, that have been outside surrounding, keeping them in the hospital, um, but uh, the cultists, but uh, n- now they're inside the hospital. And so we keep cutting away to her and, uh, you know, trying to hide from them, but they're very um, not. Uh, they're not very threatening, right? So like she's able to avoid them pretty easily for the most part. And so we keep cutting away almost just as like to keep the intensity level up. So we go back to the main characters to get some exposition. And then we go back to her to get some like build up intensity and suspense and then back to the main characters for exposition. And so it's this jostling back and forth where you're trying to piecemeal together the story and then figure out why we keep. And so, you know, and then nothing is really happening other than monsters bursting out. So I don't know, man, I just was like, like, no, I mean, it was very inconsistent to your point on tone. Yeah, yeah, and 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 again, you know, they 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 did some good things. They didn't keep it moving, right? They didn't let it drag too much, and you right. know, it's competently shot and it's kind. Yeah, of right. The score was decent. lit. You know, like there's, and I guess that's just what's it. It's it's like there's nothing great about it. You know, even the parts that aren't bad are like mediocre or slightly above. And so it's just like again, you know, if you're like. If 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 you've got, you know, a pie chart of all of the different aspects of a film and you don't do any one of them great, it also kind of doesn't matter if you don't do any one of them super poorly, right? Because now you're just kind of this mediocre vanilla thing that well, just hey, is going to come How about you start with your pie chart with story, plot, and character design, <laughs> character development, and okay, then yeah, well, they do the, the rest of the horribly. pie out from there. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> but no, but I mean, technically, there's nothing bad. Like, it's, it's it, again, no, it's competently no. shot. It's competently acted. Right. The sound is decent. Like, you can hear what everyone's saying. You know, it doesn't, right, it doesn't yeah. suffer from a lot of those indie uh, pitfalls that we're accustomed not to, at all um except not for where all. it comes to the creative They're elements, technically you know, capable the storytelling yeah technically sound but creatively very undisciplined very well, what's unfocused. the old adage Doesn't uh work. you know the, the whole is not as good as the sum of its parts or whatnot Correct. You know, it's, yeah it's like that mm-hmm. so yeah 
it's one of those movies again you watch like i said i i adored that trailer that we we heard at the top of the episode like if if you haven't seen it listeners go watch it on youtube it's a great trailer uh, just watch it afterwards cuz it might get you a little too excited although if you're still with us and you haven't watched it, it i'm sure we dampened that enthusiasm quite a bit by now but um yeah so and then Again, you know, the to, just to wrap things up, the son and, and Kim escape. And morning comes, so you know the cultists are all gone. Uh, son is, you know, rescued. Yeah, where, son is where'd safety. they go? So the portal closed, and they just I went guess, away. You know, they just, just don't with, like morning time. They don't They're like not yeah, they don't like yeah, the vampire rules. They don't like the sun, man. Uh, I'm just picturing all those cultists going to Starbucks for coffee. They're like, oh, it's been a night, <laughs> right, Tim? I know, right? Jesus, we got to keep quit doing this. I know, only yeah. Saturdays. So you're, going to, uh, you're going to work out at the plant? Yeah, I got to punch in at seven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then we get that uh, that very quick epilogue that I guess basically is like the ending of Fight Club, but in like weird space-time continuum place where... They're just standing there before this like giant floating pyramid and they grab hands and stare at it as it spins and floats. And then the film ends. Right. Which, which is really how I see me and Steve's uh, climax coming to, uh, <laughs> coming to an end. That is, Steve the that Monkey is and I. You and that monkey we're gonna are be in destined space. for things, dude. Yeah. and uh, you It's know, a I'm misunderstanding, some... I'm telling you. It's just it's, it's <laughs> spiraled out of control. It was a simple misunderstanding that's gone so far. Just uh, one, you know. Uh, one beer and you guys would have it settled. I'm certain of it. Steve, if you're out there, come talk to me, buddy. Uh, I think it is. Uh, maybe Jason's right. Um, you know, we'll settle our differences. You can even hit me up, Steve. I'll work as the intermediary between the, in, the, in, in the beginning stages to help facilitate this because yeah, it's gone on far too long. It's way out of control. <laughs> that's, All right. I mean, that's fair. Yeah, uh, so that's The Void. And Ryan, Ta-da. you know how we like to wrap these things up, uh, you know, with... Uh, Three adjectives, and I'm even going to let you continue to have them first because I like a challenge. Well, I appreciate it. You're a gentleman and a scholar. I am going to go start this one out on a positive note and say ambitious. I thought that, uh, you know, hey, look, they shot their shot, and I thought that there was a lot of things that they did well. This felt like one of my uh, student films that I made in film school where, look, I mean, if you took some of the early work that I've made in my career, you could rip it apart and say, oh, yeah, this guy just wants to... Uh, you know, suck. I was going to say, was it the short Park? film that featured the um, the S&M bondage or was it the other one that had like the arguable sexual assault? Regardless, or was it the every other single one? one was an homage to something else. I mean, you know, <laughs> you're just trying to do with what you've seen before because, you know, that works. So uh, and you want to learn technical stuff. So it's like, well, I'll just lean heavily on what I've seen before and then fill in the gaps with technical stuff because I need to learn that. I don't know what F-stops are. I don't know (laughs) how that affects my depth of field and all of that. So um, And lighting and three-point lighting versus two-point lighting, all that. So you're trying to learn that, and so you just kind of throw the story away. And I think that, you know, look, this was ambitious on that regard. The second one I'll say uh, is a two-parter because we love a good uh, two-word adjective here. Yes, we do. I'm going to call it skimpy ribs. Uh, because there just wasn't <laughs> a lot of meat on the bone. Uh, <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, uh, you know, you're having ribs. They're nice and saucy. Oh, they man. look delicious. Uh, but they're skimpy ribs, and they're not. You very... found a way to reposition not enough meat on the bone, and I love. Yeah, you for that, right. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> love a good barbecue. I'm a little hungry. So, uh, 
And the last one, because this is a Canadian film, if I'm not mistaken, I am going to wrap this up with sorry, because I feel like the whole time, uh, every time I'd come up with a problem, the directors would just kind of nonchalantly wink and nod to me and say, sorry, I'm sorry. Eh? And, uh, but hey, the monsters are cool, huh? And, uh, you know, that was cool. So um, ambitious, skimpy ribs and sorry. <laughs> Skimpy Ribs is also an awesome character nickname. I don't know who or what the character is, but it I'm going to write a yeah. screenplay with a I character maybe, named Skimpy Ribs in it. You I know think what he maybe, is? Uh, go ahead. I was going to say he's like the he's like the skinny nerdy guy in the high school movie about where the kids are trying to get laid. And he's on he's the, like he's the one that gets picked on the whole time. He's DJ Qualls. <laughs> he gets picked on the whole time, but he's the first one to get laid. I I was going to say it's uh maybe maybe from the unmade badass sequel that we all hoped uh, we could watch one day you know they had, he's, got a, he's still on the run and he's going to like seek sweet, for, sweet uh, help badass? from the community and uh, he starts with his uh, pimp informant Skimpy Ribs we're gonna go see Skimpy Ribs and ah, uh, you know I like that yeah 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 so, yeah like a um, pimpin name yeah like, like he's name. known for having like really uh, like underweight girls right if you like skinny chicks you go to Skimpy Ribs yeah, or maybe he's just, uh, you know, he doesn't have a good pimp hand. He doesn't keep his pimp hand strong. So, uh, <laughs> Or he's know, got a bad copywriter. <laughs> yeah, his bottom bitch kind of runs everything. So uh, you know, she, she keeps it down, holds it down for old skimpy ribs. Uh, anyway, Jason, <laughs> I'm an idiot. I'm so sorry you have me on this show as your co-host. Uh, Jason, what are, you, <laughs> what are your adjectives, buddy? All right, so funny thing, because I kind of uh, almost landed on yours on the first one, but I went a little bit different flavor. I put over ambitious for my first one. And that's basically because, look, man, I understand that there's certain times where it's like you want to you want to shoot for the moon so you can hit the stars or maybe it's the other way around. However, that damn expression goes. Point is, I totally get going for the gusto, but there's also an element of like understanding what you have to work with and being realistic about that and... You know, I think that yeah, you got to know film, your limitations. Yeah, exactly. And and look, it was one of the first things they taught us in film school, dude, which is produce when you write. If you have not made a single film, if you've never had a screenplay written, don't write a hundred and fifty million dollar space opera. Nobody's right. going to make it like you don't have the clout. So much in that same respect, it's like, dude, look, I mean, cosmic horror, you're talking about space. You're talking about creatures. I mean, those are two things that you know are expensive to to do well, right? And yeah, but so, they did those well. They just didn't write a good story or character design. That should have been a layup. I mean, if you've got a, a hundred million dollar mansion, like, oh, I have access to this badass, you know, mansion on this ranch, and I'm going to write a script around it. The and the mansion looks cool, but your script sucks. That's not on the mansion. Like you, you, you shot for the moon. Yeah. But like all you had to do was write a story around it. You had the hard part. I don't have the mansion. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I feel like they had the monsters because they were art, art department guys. And they knew all this team of immediate, uh, amazing makeup artists and stuff. And, and because of that, yeah, it was dark. It was obfuscated. They did have budget restraints. They weren't John Carpenter, but at the same token, they did what they could with that. Um, I just feel like, you know, that whatever you get it anyway. Yeah, absolutely. And so carrying forth from that, uh, it should be no surprise to hear that my second adjective is disjointed. And it's just a film that is so all over the place. I won't really expound on that because I feel like we've spent the entire episode explaining why it's disjointed. Agreed 100%. And the third one I have is it's forgettable. And it's totally one of those movies like, Ryan, there are certain movies. I think really the last one that I can remember that it really had this effect on me was Zardoz, where it's just like, 
the the moment it's done, I'm like, I can't remember more than like four minutes of the movie I just finished watching. And then like the next day I try to think back and it's like, I, I can only remember two minutes of that movie now. And then I'll like have to go and like read these summaries to bring myself up to speed. And then of course there's like that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But inevitably there's also some moments where I'm like, that happened. I don't remember that happening. Did that happen? And then I'll like chalk up my, my, my movie file and be like, Oh yeah, that did happen. And it's huh. like, I watched this 24 hours ago. It's not like it's something I'm trying to remember that I watched years ago. Like what the hell is that? Yeah. It's so weird. And this is definitely one of those movies. So it is, it is over ambitious, disjointed, forgettable. Ryan, let's formalize this bitch. How many, well, no, you don't do the stars. You do the grade rating. What is your grade, grade rating, sir? Well, this is, I mean, this is GoBots to John Carpenter's Transformers. You know what I mean? Like, this is a generic movie. Um, I Again, it was ambitious. They did some things all right. Uh, I'm really going on a limb here, big old limb, and giving it a C-. minus. Mm, that's pretty... Uh, that's pretty fair, I think. I know. Um, I, you yeah, know, a little yeah. generous. <laughs> um, I'm going to go ahead and give it two and a half stars out of five. Oh, um, wow. Okay. Yeah, a little on the other side of a three. And, and and honestly, even that is just, I mean, I'm I'm giving them an extra half star or possibly quarter star, but at least quarter star uh, for mm-hmm. budgetary reasons and taking into sure. account the fact that it is, is an indie movie. And honestly, like, I mean, I think it's fair to judge it that way, but I also... You know, sometimes, Ryan, I wonder, like, when you're recommending a film to someone, like, like what like what are we doing? Are we reviewing the film? Are we giving it a rating because this is, like, what the film is, like, in a vacuum? Or are we giving the film as, like, a rating of what people should check out? Because here's the thing, man. There's, what, hundreds of thousands of films out there right now that people can go watch, right? Millions, maybe. Millions even, maybe, right? So, like, how do I, how, like... How do I tell someone like, yes, you should watch The Void over any a hundred thousand of those films that are probably at least three stars or better. And if that's the case, maybe just give it the two stars. Right. Like, do other people care how much it made? Like, sometimes I go back and forth on that because I got to say this is this is a two star movie for me. I'm giving it two and a half stars again, taking that into account. But sometimes I wonder if I should or if we should just call it a spade a spade. I know. I know. That is a tough one. It's like. Uh, Checkers Burger or Rallies, depending on your region. Uh, they have good banana milkshakes and pretty solid French fries, but don't eat anything else there ever. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, what would you rate it? Uh, C minus, maybe two stars. Are you giving that as a restaurant review on Yelp, or are you just giving it that because you like their banana milkshakes? Well, I have to be specific, and that's what this podcast exists for. Not just, I'm not just a rating. Uh, podcast. I'm a film discussion podcast. I hope you've enjoyed the last hour or so of me talking about The Void to explain why I gave this shitty movie a C minus. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. So C minus from Ryan, two and a half stars out of five from Jason. Uh, that's The Void, guys. So, you know, before we uh, get on to selecting the next film here, do just want to go ahead and plug our socials real quick. So, we are on the Instagram and the Twitter at Esoterica Cinema. We've got a lovely Instagram page, and our Twitter is quite active. So, by all means, hit us up and have a discussion. You can also reach Ryan individually at the Ryan Siebold on Twitter and Instagram. Myself at Jason Aberrant on Twitter and Instagram. 
And of course, we do have the website live up and running. The website's awesome. Um, it's not a ton of content, but what we do have on there for you is the master list of films that we have uh, let you know that we have made available for you to check out and follow along here with us. So, Ryan, what do you say we go ahead and get into our next film? I'd love to, Jason. Let's roll All them right. dice. Let's roll them dice. So, obviously, this is going to be our fifth film. If you're playing at home, you should have numbers 32, 144, 176, and 188 crossed off the list. Uh, it's kind of funny, Ryan, because, you know, these are random number generators, but it's really sort of existed in the back half of that uh, catalog there of our master list. So let's see what happens here. Going to go to our random number generator. Going to generate a number. Dude, we are just literally living at the uh, at the end of this thing here. It likes um, a good back end. <laughs> hey, oh, I am a bad guy. Oh, this is going to be a fun one, Ryan. I know. I'm pretty sure this one was you. And I, I'm pretty sure that you have told me time and time again to watch this film. And I haven't. And it's about damn time for me to watch number 186, Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Holy shit, dude. We are just like doing. I mean, are we? We're, in, we're a horror uh, we, yeah. podcast now all of a sudden. <laughs> This is literally, I don't know why this keeps coming up, dude. Like, I'm looking at the Wages of Fear, the Thin Red Line, the Taking of Pelham 123, Willow, yeah. Redbeard. I mean, there are so many non-genre films shit. on here. And yet, <laughs> yeah, so this is who we are now, dude. We just do uh, cult horror and sci-fi films now. Apparently. Because uh, that's what the this gods is, uh... to cover. <laughs> but you have recommended this to me. I mean, you do love this film, right? I uh, I watched it. I lo I remember loving it. Uh, it's I I watched it when it first come out, came out, and I haven't seen it since. Uh, but this is Alan Tudyk, and I love that guy. Yeah. Um. He's uh, been all over the place. Uh, you'll recognize a, a handful of people in this film. This is from 2010. Uh, listed as affable hillbillies, Tucker and Dale are on vacation at their dilapidated mountain cabin when they are mistaken for murderers by a group of preppy college students, and then they got to fight their way out and whatnot. So we're right back in the woods. We're right back fighting creatures and all of that. Uh, man, I am going to be well versed in this genre by the end of this podcast. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, but hey, hopefully you guys are digging these films. I mean, dude, I love these films. Don't get me wrong. And look, yeah. I mean, maybe it's an overcorrection because I mean, season one started off with just foreign prestige films, like <laughs> across the board, right? Whether it was right, uh, right. Lives of Others and um, Paths of Glory, which obviously isn't foreign, but Solaris, and so you know, we got some really dramatic, heavy classic films there early on. And, uh, you know, as we've kind of gone on, we've gotten into more into Videodrome. Uh, but, you know, we followed that up with Portrait of a Lady on Fire. But, yeah, so far this season, man, uh, sticking to this genre lane. So, But I'm having a great time doing it, man. Me too, buddy. Can't wait to watch this. <laughs> uh, you know, I've been really busy with work and everything, too. My schedule's all over the map. So uh, uh, it's been nice to just have these little fun morsels to go dive into and not have to uh, really wrap my brain around any subtitles or anything. This has been great. Uh, so I'm looking forward to this one as well. Uh, but, you know, uh, I do hope that we get into some dramas and character stuff here soon because uh, as much as we've had more wins and misses, uh, I don't want to push my luck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. We don't want to, like, live in this lane too much and then kind of, you know, it's like, ah, uh, like, who knows? Maybe we enjoy The Void more if it's the first film and we haven't just come off, you know, under the skin and, and, and the endless. It's hard to say. But this is another hour and a half one, so uh, we'll get through it and be back next week. Can't wait to join you for it. Absolutely. So, uh, again, listeners, we are going to watch Tucker and Dale versus Evil. This is a fun one that a lot of people have recommended to me. 
Hopefully it's as good as they say. Make sure to give it a watch and join us next time on Esoterica Cinema. Honesty. Integrity. Accountability. Growing up here, these are just a few of the things I learned to guide me through my life and career in law enforcement. Hi, I'm Jody White, and I'm running a campaign to be your sheriff. Your last sheriff gave up his gun in fear and brought fists to a knife fight. I promise to keep my gun and clean up this town with bullets to spare. Your last sheriff also let demons into our town. We'll all fight those demons, just like I fought my own when my wife Cheryl left me three years ago for things I didn't do. Our city is overrun by white sheet wearing cultists. Well, my family's been right here for six generations wearing white sheets since before. When I'm your sheriff, we're gonna clean up that condemned hospital and make our town and street safe again for our children. Because we don't need a hospital, only the healing power of our Lord and Savior. People say defund the police. Well, I say refund the police. Not like a refund, but like, this is hard. Like, really hard. This is hard, but I am up for the challenge. God damn it. Is it hot in here? We lost our last sheriff through a doorway to another dimension. Well, I say, don't let that door hit you where the good Lord splits you. When I'm sheriff, the only portal you need to worry about is the portal john on 6th Street and McMaster's. It's dirty in there. Some, some of that was me. People say, don't poke the bear with a stick. But I poked a bear with a stick once when I was just a kid. It was dead and filled with bees and made a hive in its belly. Those bees got mad and killed my brother outright. They made a movie about it. It was called My Girl. Vote Jody White for County Sheriff. Because anyone else can go to hell. From the imagination of acclaimed author Ashton McCauley comes the next great American anti-hero, Nick Ventner, in Whiteout. Nick is a bit of a lush, preferring whiskey to water and bar hopping to exercise. But when a mysterious benefactor hires Nick to find the lost gates of Shangri-La, Nick sobers up just enough to take on the case. Featuring non-stop action and a hilarious wit, Whiteout by Ashton McCauley is a laugh-a-minute thrill ride that will keep you turning the pages until the very end. Whiteout, available now in ebook, hardcover, and paperback versions, online and everywhere books are sold. Published by Aberrant Literature.